The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Well, how about that? Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is dead. He's the ISIS leader in Syria. Apparently he was hiding in a cave uh, or chased into a cave with some kids. And they took out the entire cave. Um, Special ops behind it. President Trump ordered the hit, I believe, and oddly enough, he didn't tell Nancy Pelosi. He didn't tell Adam Schiff. So it went swimmingly. It actually worked. And listen to Trump talk about al-Baghdadi. Last night, the United States brought the world's number one terrorist leader to justice. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is dead. He was the founder and leader of ISIS, the most ruthless and violent terror organization anywhere in the world. The United States has been searching for Baghdadi for many years. Capturing or killing Baghdadi has been the top national security priority of my administration. U.S. Special Operations Forces executed a dangerous and daring nighttime raid in northwestern Syria and accomplished their mission in grand style. The U.S. personnel were incredible. So we got al-Baghdadi finally. And of course, ISIS is not done. They've just been beaten back a little bit. You know, they've been beaten down, but they're not completely eliminated, contrary to popular belief. That's They're up around the Turkish border. They've been pushed out by uh you know, the Syrian forces and with the help from Russia and what have you. And Turkey was taken on the PKK, uh, the YPG, and also ISIS at the, around the same time. So we know that we've got ISIS on the, on the ropes, almost done, and the leader of ISIS gets taken out. And what does the mainstream media do? <laughs> well, just like the leftist to find a way to turn it around. Apparently, the ironic thing was while this was happening on SNL, they were making a joke on Saturday Night Live about how ISIS uh, was, or Trump was being soft on ISIS. All the while, this Delta Force raid that killed the head of ISIS was happening, according to Jack Posobiec. So <laughs> it's amazing. But the, the, don't leave it to the media to find a way to glorify the guy. You remember they did this with Palestinians, with the whole Israeli-Palestine border uh, offensive. They basically sided with Hamas. They were praising Hamas and Hezbollah. I mean, they do this all the time. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, I guess, is their strategy. Because the leftists found ways to write things like this. This is in the Washington Post. Remember, democracy dies in darkness. Obituaries. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, austere religious scholar at helm of Islamic State, 
dies at 48. Yeah, democracy dies in dumbassery should be your new slogan, Washington Post. Austere religious scholar? Well, this is from Bloomberg Politics. Islamic State leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi transformed himself from a little-known teacher of Quranic recitation into the self-proclaimed ruler of an entity that covered swaths of Syria and Iraq. They left off the part where the swaths of Syria and Iraq were covered with severed heads of Yazidis, of Christians, anyone who didn't bow to the knee. Do you realize they were a part of Al-Qaeda and Al-Qaeda kicked them out? Al-Qaeda thought these people were too fundamental. They were too hardcore. So Al-Qaeda said, uh, you guys hit the bricks. That's why there was an ISIS and an al-Nusra, because al-Nusra, which was the Syrian wing of al-Qaeda, said, yeah, you guys are a little bit more hardcore. Yeah, we flew planes into buildings that were 80, 90 stories tall, but you guys are a little bit more hardcore. You're putting explosive chains around people's necks and blowing their heads off. You're putting them in a, in a, packed in a vehicle and shooting a missile at it. You're chopping off people's heads. You burned a Jordanian pilot alive in a cage. So much so that the king of Jordan, king, it was a king of Dulla, he got in a plane his damn self and flew over there and dropped bombs on ISIS. So, yeah, al-Baghdadi is not just some leader of an entity across Syria and Iraq. Well, you know, this actually led to great threads such as Jesse Kelly. He said, these are real headlines. Ponder that for a moment. A real person sat down and wrote these headlines. Just a couple things about today's media on the coverage of Baghdadi's death. Laugh at them and insult them, but understand the Democrat media alliance really does see Trump and the right as greater evils than Baghdadi. They do, and it's insane, but they do. The worldwide media's efforts to run cover for Islam with regards to terrorism has made the anti-Islamic sentiment so much worse, not better. Every Muslim I know is happy to talk about these issues and divisions. Avoiding honest discussion always makes the problem worse. Sadly, this thinking has infected decision makers at the national level. Look no further than former head of the CIA scolding Trump about being too harsh, describing Baghdadi's death. We can't be too mean or we'll create new terrorists. If some guy gets radicalized by an American president graphically describing the death of one of the worst monsters in history, then that guy was going to get radicalized anyways. Amen to that. A normal person isn't reaching for a, a suicide vest after a presidential press conference. Quote, America sucks, end quote, has been normalized in this country. It's awful to watch. This is not an imposing ideology. This is an insurgency. That is all. <laughs> you right. You right. Go with that. To which the... The mocking occurs. This is the thing I love about social media. This is the thing that I love about being on the right on social media because the left can't meme. The left doesn't have humor. The left can't mock. But we can. And hashtag WAPO death notices began to go viral. Adolf Hitler, passionate community planner and dynamic public speaker, dies at 56. Hashtag WAPO death notices. Jason Howerton. Ted Bundy, unconventional pickup artist, Dies shockingly at 42. That's Harry Kachakrian. 
Uh, Michael Knowles, Attila the Hun, world traveler and government administrator, dies at 47. Jesse Kelly again, Nero, emperor who helped Christians bring light to Rome, dies at 30. Charles Manson, club leader and motivational speaker, dies at 83. Hashtag WAPO death notices. Andrew Clavin, this WAPO death notices is hilarious. More genuine comedy than all the late night shows put together. That's right. Here's another one. Mao Zedong. Who, who saved 20 to 45 million of his own people from having to suffer under the struggle of their existence dies at 82. Hashtag WAPO death notices. To which I actually said, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> lover and connoisseur of eccentric delicacies, passed away in his cell last night. Hashtag WAPO death notices. But this is as ridiculous as the media gets. Orange Man Bad is a situation that needs... To, it's never going to end. It needs to be understood for what it is. The division is not going to come together. We're not going to bridge that gap because we're the ones that are willing to sit down and listen. We're the ones that are willing to sit down and talk. We would sit down and talk to people on this show right now if those people would actually come to the table. The problem is the other side doesn't want to talk. The other side wants to make it worse. The other side... I remember, I think it was Dan Bongino who said, you know, we look at the left as people with bad ideas. They look at the right as bad people with ideas. That's the problem. That's how you're not going to bridge the gap. That's how you're not going to bring the country together. If you as a Christian, you as a conservative, you as a Caucasian, you as a patriot, you don't have to be Caucasian. I mean, look at the Proud Boys. Black individuals in the Proud Boys going to jail for four years, standing up against Antifa, and they're looked at as evil white supremacists. But they're black. Because the narrative has to be maintained. The narrative of everybody is for white supremacy, everybody's for white privilege, everybody's for the elites to you know, hold up the guard and that you're being brought down because the forces against you are bigger than what you can handle and you need government to come bail you out you need the democratic socialists to come and give you universal basic income free health care free college free housing that they're pushing now we gotta we gotta fight climate change because it's racially attacking individuals you know the temperature's going up in the black community higher than it's going up in the white community i don't know how that's happening smog is being pumped into the black community or the Native American community, or the trans community, because it's always the trans. And that is what we are looking at. That, that's why, you know, the trans community is as insane as they are. Do you want to hear insane trans community um, nonsense? Listen to this guy from this She-Ra ca uh, cartoon. The non-binary guy. I guess non-binary means you, you don't look like a guy you don't look like a girl this guy looks like a freaking elf this guy looks like i <laughs> i mean he looks like a superhero villain i mean he's got pink hair blue lipstick yeah, just listen to this nonsense. Hi, I'm Jacob Tobiah, and I am so excited to announce that I'll be joining the cast of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power for season four. I play a character called Double Trouble, who is a non-binary, shape-shifting mercenary. So functionally, I'm playing myself. Ta-da! A thank you. 
Thank you. Fantasy has always been so like vital to me because as a non-binary person, it's it's a way of escaping the confines of the world we live in, right? It's the way of building other realities and imagining the world as it could be, not as it is. Having non-binary representation in uh, animated shows for young folks is just so vital because young people today are already understanding that gender is diverse and a broad spectrum from a super early age, right? So it's about time that the shows that we're making for young people reflect the world as they understand it. I'm excited for everybody to see Double Trouble live up to their namesake. What in the world was that guy even saying? And who is it that's watching these shows? What is it, the lesbian uh, She-Ra cartoon? We're going to talk a minute about what happened with Batwoman, the TV show. (laughs) Because they constantly pushed lesbian and gay themes and trans themes or whatever in people's faces. And what they're doing is they're weaponizing the militant jihad against Christian conservatives. But at the end of the day, if you're a Christian, if you're a patriot, if you love America... If you're somebody who is going to vote for Donald Trump, whether or not you supported him in the beginning or not, of course, I've said it a million times. I didn't vote for him. I didn't support him because this election was too crucial to me. We really had to get this right. And at the time, Ted Cruz was the first one to throw his hat in the ring at Liberty University. He's talking about making Jerusalem the capital or the uh, embassy in Jerusalem uh, recognized. He's talking about cutting spending. He's talking about strong borders. And then we had others jump in the race. Marco Rubio, what have you. And then out of the blue, Trump comes down the escalator. And I'm thinking, oh, God, man, don't mess this up. We we don't need a fly in the ointment. We've got to fix this because Obama destroyed this nation over the last eight years. Not to mention the other eight years of exorbitant spending and fake compassionate conservatism from George W. Bush. So we had some fixing to do. And at the time, I didn't think he'd be the one to come in and fix it because I didn't think he had the strong fundamentals, the foundation of constitutionality, the understanding of what it would take to really bring things back to its root. But he, he has done it. <laughs> He's done it better than I thought he did. And really, if he does what has basically bubbled up over the weekend, the criminal prosecution of everybody involved with the Russia investigation if all that stuff comes out, then we don't need to worry about the wall. Yeah, I want the wall to be built, but I've said this a thousand times. If he destroys the bureaucracy and exposes all of the players that were spying against him, all the players that were abusing power within our federal government to enrich themselves and their families across the board, ah, I'll vote for him. Yeah, I would love spending to be cut, but if he's going to expose... Hillary Clinton as being the most corrupt politician of all time, if he's going to expose James Comey and uh, John Brennan as being the ones who started this whole hit job or the ones who are instrumental in this hit job. Actually, Brennan is probably the one who started it at the orders of President Obama. If Obama gets exposed, that's enough for me to vote. Listen to Clapper. (laughs) He's pissing his pants. Listen to this. And oversaw the launch of the Russian investigation. What do you make of this? Well, I should, uh, you know, I'm very cur- curious since presumably I, I, I guess I'm one of those uh, uh, under investigation. And I, I and you I, just heard about this. 
Yes, I just uh, uh, you know read the clip on uh, about twenty minutes ago. Um, I found the t- the timing interesting, uh, given the uh, increasing heat uh, around the impeachment inquiry, and so uh, it, it uh, the timing's interesting. I'll just let it go at that. And the other thing I I wonder about is whether we're talking about the overall investigation of the Russian. The reporting on the Russian uh, interference, uh, or are we talking about the counterintelligence investigation that was launched in July by the, by the FBI about potential uh, in, engagement and collusion, whatever you want to call it, between the Russians and, and the Trump campaign? So, I, do you think what, I get what do very you think curious it is? about what what is the alleged criminal activity that uh, prompted this? Do you have any idea, even I mean, what they might think may rise to the level of a criminal offense? No, I don't. Uh, that's uh, uh, obviously an item of great interest to me. Uh, what, what is it that any of us did that uh, r- would rise the level of a, a criminal infraction? Well, and I, I, I just don't know. I don't know why I'm under investigation. It sounds like Porky Pig. You know, you've also got the other side of the aisle involved in this. We talked about this last week. Look at, there's a video online of Sean Hannity with Lindsey Graham and he's breaking the news of how Attorney General Barr is basically going after the people that spied on Donald Trump as a criminal investigation. As he's breaking this news, Lindsey Graham's face goes white. Why is that? Because his butt buddy was John McCain. And his butt buddy, before he passed away, basically was instrumental in getting the Ukrainian information for the dossier over to the United States. Yeah, it was John McCain. And what does Lindsey Graham have in it? We already know he's buddied up with Cutter down there in South Carolina. What does Lindsey Graham, because Lindsey Graham could have started this investigation in the, in the Senate, but he hasn't. He's at the head of the committee. Why hasn't he done anything? Because everybody is suspect. Left, right. What does Mitt Romney know? What is, I mean, the GOP establishment. They're just Democrat light. They were probably in on the action too. Mitch McConnell, his wife, dealing with China. Feinstein, Chinese driver, made tons of money off China. All these people. Pelosi's son, Paul Pelosi, suddenly he's part of an oil company. Where, how did Chelsea Clinton get such the high-paying high gigs that she got put on boards of, of certain companies? I, I don't know. Probably for political influence. So the news media is going to go down fighting. The news media is going to always side with whatever is against Donald Trump. And Trump just needs to pull the Band-Aid off. And we'll see where this goes. And I feel like that Band-Aid is about to come off fairly soon. So while the media goes on and on about Trump being booed at a baseball game during the World Series with the Nationals game that he attended, which I'm actually kind of a Nationals fan. I was kind of hoping they would win this, but... Those idiots in D.C. decided to boo him. You know, he goes out, kills the leader of ISIS, and then goes to a baseball game, and they've got to boo him and yell, lock him up, and make a big deal about that. They're not talking about what is happening in the background. Who's really hopefully going to be getting locked up? Now, Michael Flynn, who is a national security advisor to Trump, of course, they interviewed him. He didn't give the right dates or something. So they tried to put him in jail. Tried to, they financially bankrupt him. 
He had to, you know, what he had to sell his house just so he could afford his attorney. Well, his attorney might be paying off and might be bringing some new things to light. And James Clapper has every right to be stuttering like he did in that clip because he's involved in it. So here's the thing that happened. We found out that FBI 302s written towards Michael Flynn were edited by Lisa Page. Really? Now, what an FBI 302 is, it's a form. Basically, it's a memo, and it takes notes of whatever the interviewer, who was the FBI agent, you know, whatever, whatever was said in the interview, he takes these things, writes them down. They become, the, the form is a 302. It's just the name of the form, F-302. So apparently, Sidney Powell, who is Michael Flynn's attorney, found some amazing discoveries. Lisa Page, he, she's the FBI agent, also the one who was hooking up with Peter Stroke, also legal counsel for Andy McCabe. Also, we found out she was hooking up with McCabe as well, sexually. So she's hooking up with Peter Stroke. You see the emails going back and forth, the text messages about how they need an insurance policy and, oh, we're going to get him. We're going to bring down Trump. Yeah, she was hooking up with Andy McCabe as well. Well, the, she edited the Flynn 302s and then forgot when questioned by the DOJ officials and then re-remembered when shown her text. The 302s themselves were written with lies that do not match the notes taken in the interview. The felony leaker of the Flynn Kislyak phone call, which this is the phone call where General Flynn was talking to the Russian ambassador and they spied him, spied in on it. That's how they got the information. Well, James Baker, <laughs> he was the leaker. And in fact, he resigned at the same time that Lisa Page resigned. Hmm. New text from the Page Stroke that uh, new or new text from Page and Stroke highlight the entrapment plan for Michael Flynn and the DNI head James Clapper was telling a Washington reporter, Washington Post reporter, take the kill shot on Flynn. So then he wants to put out all the information on Flynn and leak it all to the media. I'm not going to get into the Spygate scandal because there are people who have covered it more thoroughly, more accurately than I have. But this is going to be huge because this is the criminal investigation that Durham is looking into that Attorney General Barr is supporting. You know, the Attorney General, he's not conducting the uh, investigation himself. John Durham is. But he's overseeing to make sure that when that information is brought to him, something is going to happen. Here's to hoping that something actually happens. <laughs> Back in a second. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. So just to wrap up some things on this whole Spygate scandal that we've been talking about with the 302s, uh, looking into Michael Flynn, Lisa Page editing these, check this out. The 302s, this is actually from Conservative Treehouse, the 302s were modified to make claims that were never made in the interview. So the FBI agents come, they talk to Michael Flynn, apparently they tried to create the interview in a situation that 
he didn't think he was being questioned. And at the same time, he didn't even have the opportunity to have his lawyer there. So he's being questioned. They write all this information down, put it on the 302. She edits the 302s. Not only do they edit the 302s, but they were also modified to make claims that were never made in the interview. The language was purposefully and willfully made to look like something it wasn't. And in some cases, they made it up completely counter to the actual statement given by, by Mike Flynn. Now, Joseph Missud, he's the guy who we believe is probably Italian intelligence. They tried to say he was a Russian asset, right? Well, they were able to get his phones. James Baker leaking to Kislyak, the Russian ambassador. They leaked the phone call to David Ignatius, the Washington Post reporter. And James Clapper saying, take the kill shot on Flynn. None of this information was provided to the defense. All of the Brady material was withheld by the prosecution prior to the high-pressure plea agreement. Now, the Brady uh, material is material that, if brought to light, would possibly change the situation. Might work in his favor. Yeah, they withheld all that stuff. There's so much in this. It's insane what's been going on. But we have to realize, hopefully... Attorney General Barr is going to allow this investigation to come to fruition and people start going down. In fact, he said to the effect of uh, he defended Durham's probe into the whole Russian situation. And he also (laughs) rips James Comey from the FBI, head of the FBI for failure of leadership. In an exclusive interview, Attorney General Bill Barr Uh, defended the independence and integrity of the politically contentious probe being led by the U.S. attorney John Durham into handling the Russian investigation while taking a swipe at James Comey's past uh, leadership of the FBI. Uh, Fox News reported that the Russian probe, the origins of the Russian meddling case, had escalated from a review to a criminal investigation, a development that spurred Democratic claims that the department was becoming a tool for President Trump's political revenge. He was speaking to Fox News, Bill Barr, um, and he basically said, that is completely wrong and there is no basis for it. I act on behalf of the United States. The attorney general said that while he's assisting in connecting Durham with countries that could have valuable information, Durham is running the show. He is in charge of the investigation. I'm not doing the investigation, Barr said, while describing Durham, the U.S. attorney from Connecticut, as thorough and fair and saying he's making progress. I do want to say that one of the reasons Mr. Durham was able to make the kind of progress he's making is because FBI Director Christopher Wray and his team at the FBI have just been outstanding in support and responsiveness to Mr. Durham, Barr said. As you know, I've said previously that I felt there was a failure of leadership at the Bureau in 2016 and part of 2017, but since Director Wray and his team have taken over, there's been a world of change. Now, I don't know about Wray. But Comey was in on the whole thing. So, of course, there was an issue there. But they took a trip over to Italy and they got the phones and they met with people in the intelligence department over in Italy. They met with people in Australia. And all of a sudden, that's when we got the shift. That's when the sea change happened. 
That's when it became a criminal investigation. That's when the bombs were dropped on uh, Clapper and on Brennan. Brennan's out there floundering. Let's let's listen to a little bit of Brennan floundering around. Do you understand a motive? I, I don't. And I'm supposedly going to be interviewed by Mr. Durham um, mm-hmm. as part of this non-investigation. I remember William Barr, you know, when he was testifying in front of Congress, he said he, he didn't understand the predication of the counterintelligence investigation that was launched into Russia's interference in the 2016 election. I don't understand the predication of this worldwide effort to try to uncover dirt, either real or imagined, that would discredit that investigation in 2016 into, into Russian interference. You know, on one hand, the Obama administration is crucified for not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And now they're looking for what we might have done in order to try to understand better and to prevent the Russian interference. And I do agree, it's not just that Trump doesn't care about Russian interference. I think he is hoping that he's going to get it. Because he knows that Russia interfered on his behalf. And I think as he sees his political fortunes dwindling, I think he really is hoping that his pal Vladimir is going to come through once again and help him get elected in 2020 if he's going to be in office by then. So you got John Brennan, head of the CIA, who is most likely the one who is funneling the information that John McCain brought from the Ukraine through Christopher Steele so that they could get this FISA warrant written up that was renewed multiple times that Andy McCabe was a part of, which should show that everything about what they were doing was fraudulent. This was a soft coup. Yeah, (laughs) he's nervous. I would say he has every right to be nervous because everything's coming down soon. Now, whether or not anyone goes to jail, I don't know. I would love it to you know, happen. I would love it to come to fruition, but I can't hold my breath. Hillary Clinton's still out there. She hasn't gone to jail for anything. Bill Clinton's out there. He hasn't gone to jail for anything. None of these people ever are held accountable. But I do want the world to be exposed to all of this. I want it all to come out into the light and let the chips fall where they may. Maybe there'll be some indictments. I don't know. But to show what happened behind the scenes needs to come out. All right, does all this make your head hurt? (laughs) Seriously. Do you have uh, nagging joint discomfort, difficulty sleeping, frequent inflammation, mood swings, gut problems? You might want to check out the newest craze, CBD oil. And KBMD CBD may deliver real relief. It's a hemp extract derived from specially bred industrial hemp plants with a high CBD content. The hemp is used to grown, uh, is, is grown organically and the oil is CO2 extracted. The resultant extract is then added to an easy to use dropper bottle containing 900 milligrams of CBD oil. It is a wholesome extract, not synthetic, not isolate, It contains all the synergistic cannabinoids and essential oils and other compounds from the original plant. KBMD CBD is physician recommended because it has been used on real patients with real success. I know my wife and I have been using CBD oil and it really kind of makes the difference, calms the nerves. Um, You know, it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. The CBD from uh, KBMD is full spectrum, works best when used with other natural teponines and compounds. It's third-party tested with real COA, so you it's got the certificate of authenticity. So check out KBMD 
and you can get some KBMD CBD. Use the promo code SLADE, and you can pick up a bottle by going to kbmdhealth.com. That's kbmdhealth.com. Remember to use the promo code SLADE. One of the things I think that needs to come out and that hopefully will come out and actually inadvertently did kind of come out is how President Obama was responsible for the majority of this. He orchestrated this. This is all under his tutelage. This is all under his direction. And if it goes back to President Obama, it goes back to Hillary Clinton because they paid for the dossier. It's their people involved. It's going to bring down the Democrat Party. There's Republicans all tied into this, too. So don't worry. It's going to bring both sides down. But James Clapper actually let the cat out of the bag talking to Anderson Cooper. If it weren't for President Obama, we might not have done the intelligence community assessment that we did that set off a whole sequence of events which are still unfolding today, notably Special Counsel Mueller's investigation. President Obama uh, is responsible for that, and it was he who tasked us to do that intelligence community assessment uh, in the first place. So right there, Clapper is basically saying that Obama was the one directing all of this, which is going to be huge because this is like Watergate on crack. Now, for those who don't know the details, the juicy details of the Spygate scandal, I'm not going to give them to you. (laughs) You can go to individuals like John Solomon, uh, Kimberly Strassel, uh, John Carlson, I think, was one. You've also got Sean Davis from The Federalist. You know, Dan Bongino and Greg Jarrett have books on it in very minute detail. You get into the inner workings of all the names and players and, and all the different acts that they pulled. But there is an article in The Federalist that I, I want to read entitled How the Obama Administration Set in Motion Democrats' Coup Against Trump by Lee Smith. And he's actually got a book coming out, The Plot Against the President, the true story of how Congressman Devin Nunes uncovered the biggest political scandal in U.S. history. So this is the article. After Donald Trump was elected 45th president of the United States, the operation designed to undermine his campaign transformed. It became an instrument to bring down the commander-in-chief. The coup started almost immediately after the polls closed. Hillary Clinton's communication team decided within 24 hours of her concession speech to message that the election was illegitimate, that Russia had interfered to help Trump. Obama was working with Trump until the hour he left office. His national security advisor, Susan Rice. Remember Susan Rice? She's the one that went around talking about the YouTube video. You know, in Benghazi. Oh, it was, yeah, a YouTube video. And suddenly on 9-11-2012, they decided to firebomb the embassy that we were running guns through. And they took out our, our ambassador to Libya, killed all these uh, contractors, these great patriots that worked to protect Christopher Stevens. Yeah, this idiot. She commemorated the leaving of Obama with an email to herself on January 20th, moments before Trump's inauguration. She wrote to memorialize a meeting in the White House two weeks before. Here's the email. On January 5th, following a briefing by the intelligence community leader on Russian hacking during the 2016 presidential election, President Obama had a brief follow-on conversation with FBI Director Jim Comey and Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates in the Oval Office. Vice President Biden And I, Susan Rice, were also present. 
President Obama began the conversation by stressing his continued commitment to ensuring that every aspect of this issue is handled by the intelligence and law enforcement communities, quote, by the book. The president stressed that he is not asking about initiating or instructing anything from a law enforcement perspective. He reiterated that our law enforcement team needs to proceed as it normally would by the book. From a national security perspective, however, President Obama said he wants to be sure that as we engage with the incoming team, we are mindful to ascertain that there is any reason that we cannot share information fully as it relates to Russia. The president asked James Comey to inform him if anything changes in the next few weeks, that should affect how we share classified information with the incoming team, Comey said he would. The repetition, this is now back to the article, the repetition of by the book gave away the game, for there was nothing normal about any of it. Rice wrote an email to herself and commemorated a conversation from two weeks before. Now, in my humble opinion, the reason why she did that was Freedom of Information Act. If somebody was going to investigate this kind of espionage and treasonous activity, and they pulled up all this FOIA request for emails, and, and then they see this little email to herself, she kind of gives herself a little CYA, a little cover your you-know-what. So going back to the article, the conversation was about the FBI's investigation of the man who was about to move into the White House, an investigation from which Obama was careful to distance himself. During the conversation, the outgoing president instructed his top aides to collect information regarding the incoming administration's relationship with Russia. Quote, to any rational person, says Devin Nunes, it looks like they were scheming to produce a get-out-of-jail-free card for the president and anyone else in the White House. They're playing Monopoly while others are playing with fire. Now the Obama White House was in the clear. Sure, they had no idea what James Comey, John Brennan from the CIA, Andy McCabe, and Peter Strzok from the FBI, and the rest were up to. Meanwhile, Obama added his voice to the Trump-Russia echo chamber as news stories alleging Trump's illicit relationship with the Kremlin multiplied in the transition period. He said he hoped that the president-elect also is willing to stand up to Russia. Now it goes on. The outgoing Russian president it was in Germany with Chancellor Angela Merkel to discuss everything from NATO to Vladimir Putin. And then Obama had said um, that he had delivered a clear and forceful message to the Russian president about meddling with elections. And we will respond appropriately if and when we see this happening. After refusing to act while the Russian election meddling was actually occurring, Obama responded in December. He ordered the closing of the Russian diplomatic facilities and the expulsion of 35 Russian diplomats. Now, apparently this is the call that caused Russian Ambassador Kislyak to contact Mike Flynn while he was on vacation. The call in which they spied in and the FBI would later meet with him over those fraudulent 302 documents we talked about and fudge all the information he was saying so that they could put him under some sort of plea agreement or put his back against the wall in an investigation. Going back to the article, the response was tepid. The Russians had hacked the State Department in 2014 and the Joint Chief of Staff in 2015, and now Obama was responding only on his way out. Even Obama partisans thought it was weak. The punishment did not fit the crime, said Michael McFaul, Obama's former ambassador to Russia. 
The Kremlin should have paid a much higher price for that attack, but the administration wasn't retaliating against Russia for interfering in a U.S. election. The action was directed at Trump. Obama was leaving president-elect with a minor foreign policy crisis in order to box him in. Any criticism of Obama's response, never mind an attempt to reverse it, would only further fuel press reports that Trump was collaborating with the Russians. In the administration's last days, it disseminated intelligence throughout the government, including the White House, Capitol Hill, and the intelligence community. Intelligence was classified at the lowest possible levels to ensure wide readership. The White House was paving the way for a campaign of leaks to disorient the incoming Trump team. The effort, including the intended result of leaks, was publicly acknowledged in March 2017 by Evelyn Farkas, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense in the Obama administration. Obama's biggest move against Trump was to order the CIA Director John Brennan to conduct a full review of all intelligence related to Russia in the 2016 elections. He requested it on December 6th and wanted it ready by the time he left office on January 20th because lame duck Obama wanted to get to the bottom of this for the love of America. (laughs) But the sitting president already knew what the intelligence community assessment was going to say because John Brennan, CIA, had already told him months before. Brennan's handpicked team of CIA, FBI, and NSA analysts had started analyzing Russian election interference in late July, and they also, in August briefed Harry Reid on the dossier and may have briefed Obama on it too. Earlier in August, Brennan sent a bombshell report to Obama's desk. When Brennan reassembled his select team in December, it was to have them reproduce their August findings. Putin, according to Brennan, was boosting the GOP candidate. And that's why only three days after Obama ordered the assessment in December, the Washington Post could already reveal what the intelligence community found. (laughs) Hmm. We talked about how he pushed that information clapper to the Washington Post. The CIA reported in December 9th edition of the Washington Post has concluded in a secret assessment that Russia intervened in the 2016 election to help Donald Trump win the presidency, rather than to just undermine confidence in the U.S. electoral system. The story was the first of many apparently sourced to leaks of classified information that were given to the Washington Post team of Adam Anacious, Ellen Nakashima, and Greg Miller. The reporter's sources weren't whistleblowers shedding light on government corruption. Rather, they were senior U.S. officials abusing government resources to prosecute a campaign against a newly elected commander-in-chief. The article was the earliest public evidence that the coup was underway. The floodgates were open as the IC pushed more stories through the press to delegitimize the president-elect. The same day, a New York Times article by David E. Sanger and Scott Shane echoed the Post piece. According to the senior administration officials, American intelligence agencies have concluded with high confidence that Russia acted covertly in the later stages of the presidential campaign to harm Hillary Clinton's chances and to promote Donald Trump. A December 14th NBC News story by William Arkin, Ken Delinian, and Cynthia McFadden reported that Russian President Vladimir Putin became personally involved in the covert Russian campaign to interfere with the U.S. presidential election. The intelligence community assessment that Obama ordered gave political operatives, the press, and his intelligence chief a second shot at Trump. They'd used the Steele dossier to feed the echo chamber and obtain surveillance powers, getting those FISA warrants to spy on Trump's campaign. The dossier, however, had come up short and Trump had won. But now, on his way out of the White House, Obama instructed Brennan to stamp the CIA's 
imprimatur on the anti-Trump operation. As Fusion GPS, who was purchased by Hillary Clinton, smear campaign had been the source of the pre-election press campaign and the dossier, the intelligence community assessment was the basis of the post-election media frenzy. It was tailored to disrupt the peaceful transition of power and throw the U.S. elections into chaos. Because Trump hadn't been elected by the U.S. public, according to the intelligence community assessment, but had been tapped by Putin, he was illegitimate. Therefore, the extra-constitutional and illegal tactics employed by anti-Trump officials were legitimate. The ultimate goal was to remove Trump from office. If it weren't for President Obama, said James Clapper, we might not have done the intelligence community assessment. Now, does that clip make sense? Nunes agrees. The intelligence community assessment, he said, was Obama's dossier. Devin Nunes is sitting in his office in the Longworth House office building, along with his communications director, Jack Langer, a 46-year-old former book editor and historian with a Ph.D. from Duke University. Quote, the social media attacks on Devin began shortly after the election, Langer remembers. They're all hinting at some vast conspiracy involving Russia that the chairman of the intelligence community is a part of. And they have no idea what they're talking about. Devin Nunes points out that his warnings about Russia fell on deaf ears for years. And all of a sudden, I'm a Russian agent, says Devin Nunes. Now Langer and Nunes see that the attacks were first launched because the congressman had been named to Trump's transition team. Quote, I put forward Mike Pompeo for CIA director, said Nunes. He came from our committee. The attacks on Nunes picked up after the December 9th Washington Post article. The assessment provided that there was not what um, the chairman had been told. The assessment had been altered, and Devin Nunes asked for an explanation. Quote, we got briefed about the election around Thanksgiving, he says, and it's just the usual stuff, nothing abnormal. They told us what everyone already knew. Hey, the Russians are bad actors, and they're playing games, and here's what they did. But providing that briefing, the Intelligence Committee had made a mistake. When it later changed the assessment, the November briefing was evidence that Obama's spy chiefs were up to no good. Quote, I bet they'd like to have that back, says Devin Nunes. They briefed us before they could get their new story straight. Nunes acknowledges that he was caught off guard by many things back then. We still thought these guys were on the up and up, but if we knew, we would have nailed them by mid-December when they changed their assessment. Quote, wait, you guys are saying this just now? But you said something else a few weeks ago. What's going on? After the Washington Post story, Devin Nunes wanted an explanation. We expressed deep concern, both publicly and privately, says Langer. We demanded our own briefing to try to determine what, what the uh, Washington Post story was, whether it was true or false. Uh, true or false. They refused to brief us. They said, we're not going to be doing any of that until we finish with the assessment. Hmm, amazing. Devin Nunes said the fact that the Intelligence Committee conducted an assessment like that was itself unusual. Quote, I don't know how many times they've done that in the past, if ever, but if the Intelligence Committee is operating properly, when someone says, what can you tell me on X or Y or Z, they have it ready to pull up quickly. The trade craft is reliable and the intelligence products are reliable. That was not the case with this intelligence community assessment. There, there were problems on how the assessment had been put together. If you really were going to do something like, you know, an assessment from the intelligence community, then you would get input from all the 17 agencies, says Nunez. They did the opposite. It was only the FBI, CIA, NSA, and the DNI. They siloed it, just like they had with Crossfire Hurricane. They kept everyone else away from it, 
so that they didn't have it to read for themselves. Crossfire Hurricane being the company that came in and did the investigation on the servers over Hillary Clinton's leaked emails. FBI didn't do the investigation. Crossfire Hurricane did. That's really copacetic. Nunes released several statements in the middle of December. Um, One was from a senior uh, Obama intelligence official to clarify press reports that the CIA has a new assessment that it is not shared with us. The committee is deeply concerned that the um, intrinsic uh, in sharing intelligence with Congress can enable the manipulation of intelligence for political purposes. After the statements warned of political foul play and the intelligence community assessments, the social media attacks on Nunez became more regular. Well, it goes on further. The speed in which Brennan's handpicked analysis produced the internal um, the intelligence committee assessment and then got a version of it declassified for public consumption was another sign that all was not right. All throughout the Obama two terms, the his intelligence committee chiefs, they aren't paying attention to Russian actions. We give them more money from Russia and they don't use. But now they know so much about Putin and they managed to produce a comprehensive assessment of Russian intentions and actions regarding the election interference in a month at Christmas time when everything slows down and they produce a declassified version in a matter of weeks. None of this is believable, Nunes says. (laughs) Unbelievable. Three different versions of the intelligence community assessment were produced. An unclassified version, a top secret one, another highly compartmentalized one. The FBI had been working on Steele's reports for more than half a year, including the dossier, and a lot of it was unreliable. So we know that Obama was instrumental in getting Brennan to gain a community together of less than the required departmental agencies that would normally be involved to spy on Trump. Hopefully, Durham and Barr... John Durham, the, uh, the lawyer, and William Barr, the attorney general, they made a couple trips to Italy. And when they got back, that is when they decided, hey, this is going to be a criminal investigation. We're going to talk to Clapper. We're going to talk to Comey. We're going to talk to Brennan. And when the IG report drops, we may have something to chew on. Andy McCabe may be going down. Maybe Obama finally gets implicated in all this garbage. Let's hope that that happens. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo Five O Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to Mojo50.com every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast, wherever podcasts are hosted. And be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parlor, Convo, Snippy. Search Adrian Slade. Follow us on Twitter at Rants Out Loud or at Adrian Slade Show, which is the official show page on Twitter. And you can also read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also get the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store on the Roku streaming channel store. Be sure to download the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel. 
We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.